You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, there was no big announcement, so it's kind of just the Wild West right now. Um, in other words, anything could happen at any time. There's no more theories about anything. Um, I, I don't think it's entirely realistic to believe that Rodgers is going to make his decision in the next hours, days, whatever, but is going to wait until next Tuesday. In other words, the whole Pat McAfee thing, in my opinion, not that he won't next make his, um, you know, the next time he talks to the public, it'll be on there. I'm sure that's true, but I don't think that really has anything to do with anything anymore. So we'll just see. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of just we're up against the clock, and the Packers are kind of just hoping to get some news soon. And I'm sure Rodgers would like to make a decision, but he's also just doesn't know what to do, I guess. Um, I have a feeling that the the talks that have been reportedly going on are part of it. So so let's let's back up one second, looking at what we talked about yesterday, right? What did I say the operating theory was if there was no announcement being made? First of all, um, Benjamin Albright was going to get kind of crushed for making that big announcement. And he was at least a little bit smart enough to kind of you know, veil it. But then he came out and just flat out said what was going to happen. He was saying that, you know, whatever. So he kind of rightly got smashed for that. But again, what what was I saying would have been the theory if there was no announcement? Guys like Ian, guys like Schefter, whatever, they heard that the Packers and Rodgers were talking about some kind of a deal. They were working on something. They were doing something. Benjamin Albright was wrong in his assumption that that means Rodgers had agreed to come back. Again, a lot of this is they hear information, and it's real, true, honest information, but then they have to try to piece it all together. And it's the piecing all together stuff that a lot of times they get wrong. For example, even the report recently from Ian Rappaport, where he says that it's going to be, he's going to be the highest paid, and it's going to be a short-term deal, I think a lot of us are looking at that going, I don't know how that's even possible. I don't know that that's part of what Ian has heard. I think he's heard that they're working on something, and he's speculating based on what the operating assumption has been for a long time. And I think what the operating... Again, maybe that's true, but I think the operating assumption is just something that they've all assumed for a very long time without getting any real concrete um, answers on that. And I I think it's a, a stupid plan, and they don't realize how stupid it is. They just think it makes sense. Right. Obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers. You're going to want to pay him a lot, and you probably don't want to keep him around for a long time because you know he's getting up in age and everything else. So they just assume it's going to be a short-term deal for a lot of money, not realizing that cap-wise, that is that is. I don't know how you even do that. They don't know. They don't care. I don't know. But I, I think that's where it's at. And and the the issue is so 
again, I'm doing exactly what I said they're doing. I'm just trying to put the pieces together. I think Rodgers took some time away. Remember, last week on um, Pat McAfee's show, he said he hasn't even really started thinking about it yet, which kind of sucks for everybody. Sucks for the team, sucks for us, sucks for the, the universe. But Rodgers is like, yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't really care. I took some time completely away. Haven't really thought about it. And at some point, he went to the team and said, all right, let's, um, let's see what we can do. In other words, I don't know that I moved closer to him coming back since the news came out of them working out a deal. I just think this is the next natural progression. He needs more information before he can make his decision. He wants to see what the Packers are offering. And so his agent and the Packers are going to try to put together some, and I'm sure he has a general idea what they're looking to do, but he wants to see what it's going to look like. And so they have to talk and they got to figure something out. And if the Packers are offering something that he's not interested in, he's going to look at a different plan. And so this may take some time. Um, and that's just the way it is. I think us assuming that he has to get it done in the next couple of days, I mean, he would like to get it done in the next couple of days. The Packers absolutely would have liked for this to have been done a month ago, if, if at all possible. But it's not the reality. Rodgers will make his decision when he's comfortable with the decision that he's making. And if he doesn't have the information he feels he needs, he's just not going to do it. That may not come in the next week. We may have a situation where the Packers have to make determinations on players without really knowing what's going on with Rodgers. And even if they're almost 100% positive he's coming back or 90 or whatever the case may be, they still don't exactly know, first of all, not 100% he's coming back, but on top of that, they don't exactly know what the structure of his contract is going to be because they don't know what he's going to agree to. How far are we going to have to bend? This is what we're comfortable with, so we should be able to do this, that, or the other with the other players. But if we do that, we'd leave ourselves no flexibility with Rodgers. And if he says, no, I need an inch more, and we can't give it to him, then we get that. So we got to, you know, build in a little bit. of Maybe this just isn't going to work. I mean, first of all, you look at a guy like Zedarius, and it's like, let's not even bother. Any thought we had of maybe we could twist it and tweak it and kind of, sort of, maybe we'll see how it goes, just forget it. Unless, of course, we think Rodgers just isn't coming back, then it's like, oh, we could probably work something out. <laughs> probably got probably got some ability there. So basically, we're, we're, it feels like we're making progress, but we're really not. I mean, it's it just, we are seemingly to the point where the Packers are like, all right, let's start talking about this. Or not the Packers, Rodgers is like, let's start talking about this. And, and so they are. They're just starting to put these things together. Obviously, the Packers have had this in place for a long time, what they would like to offer and different contingencies and all that kind of stuff, what they can do, what they can't do. But it's being given to Rodgers and they're talking and they're negotiating and they're trying to hammer it out. Maybe it's something that gets done today, right? I mean, who knows how long the negotiations are going to take. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're sitting at square one. Um, there's also been a lot of questions about the fact that Brian Gutekunst said nobody has reached out to him about Aaron Rodgers. I really don't have any reason to believe he's not telling the truth. My first thought when I, when I was thinking about, you know, why would they lie is that, you know, if you're trying to retain Aaron Rodgers, you want to make it seem like there's no interest. So it's a negotiation thing. But then my next thought is, well, that could easily be refuted if a team came out and said that's not true. However, that does violate the anti-tampering rules. I'm just kind of perusing through the policy here. And a team is not even allowed to go out and say we're interested in them as a free agent. If the Broncos came out and said, that's not true, we are interested, and we've called the Packers about Aaron Rodgers, they're violating the anti-tampering rules. So it's possible they're lying knowing that nobody can call them out. Now, after the fact, they can, but oh, well, we're in fierce negotiations right now. As long as right now we can lie and nobody can call us out on it, let's do it. And let's just make the case that nobody is interested. Now, I don't believe, I'm, I'm quite positive that you can call a team 
and and request you know a, a trade or or ask about that. I don't think that's violating any kind of anti tampering stuff. They can't talk to the player. They can't talk to the player's agent, and they can't express interest in the media. They can, um, and, th- and this is why I think it's entirely possible that the two teams can talk. They could actually talk to Aaron Rodgers if they have permission from the team. So they would have to talk to the Packers and be like, "Hey, man, we want to, you know, work out a trade. Can we talk to Rodgers?" Well, if we're trying to work out a trade right now, but we, you know, we, we need to solidify this, they need to know that Rodgers is on board and everything else. So you would give them permission. So that that's why it seems pretty obvious to me that that trade negotiations can take place. So it's not because I did see some people say, well, yeah, nobody's talked because that would be tampering. It's not tampering if you're reaching out about a trade to the team. It is tampering if they reach out to Rodgers. It's also tampering again if they come out and say, no, 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 the Packers are full of it. We have reached out and expressed interest. Can't do that. It's also why if you see any you know, teams being evasive about their interest in Rodgers, it's because they can't talk about it. But it does seem a little odd to me. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. It seems odd that a team wouldn't reach out to the Packers. Like, zero teams have reached out to the Packers about their interest. But at the same time, apparently the Packers have just started negotiations with their own quarterback that they are 1,000% determined to keep. So I, it seems like things just kind of move you know, really slow and then really fast. I don't know. It's like, let's just chill. Let's not do anything. And then let's panic and do this like in the next couple of days because we are running out of time. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a very weird thing. I don't really know how things work. It, it it's very surprising to me that not a single team would reach out because it would seem to imply that not a single team is interested. Because I don't know why you'd be interested but not bother to pick up the phone. Like, dude, how awesome would it be if we had Aaron Rodgers? Because they they got stuff to figure out too. They got to work on you know who they're keeping, who they're cutting, who they're tagging, and whether or not they're going to have to you know shoulder Aaron Rodgers' contract. It's kind of a big deal. Kind of important information. So the fact that you know, there are teams that are interested, but nobody has felt the need to... It's, it's just a very strange... One way or another, something doesn't make sense. Obviously, something's true, and I don't know what exactly. And, and again, I, I tend to believe that Gutekunst is telling the truth. I mean, he, he, with no unequivocal terms. I mean, he didn't waver. He didn't, you know, do any kind of coach-speak stuff. It was just flat up, nope, zero people have called me. Nobody wants him. He's trash. He's garbage. You should just sign with him. He didn't say that, but <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just a, the most confident no ever. And again, I, I have to assume somebody's interested. Now I have said that there's probably a lot less interest than people think, but there are teams that are interested. It's just weird that nobody has called. And it's possible because they went through this all last year or in the past or whatever. And the Packers just don't answer the phone or have said, you know, don't call me, I'll call you. So they know what the situation is. It's also another possibility is that teams are calling and he's just not picking up the phone. And he's like, nope, nope, nobody's talked to me about Rodgers at all. I have not talked to the Denver Broncos GM once. Has he called me every day for the last month? Yes. But have I blocked his number? Also, yes. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know. Point is, if the Packers wanted to trade him, I'm sure they could find a trade partner. Again, I don't think there's as much interest as as is being um, made out in the media, which is, you know, every single team would be fighting tooth and nail to get him. I don't think that's true. Again, if you subtract the teams that don't want him, the teams that the Packers won't trade him to, and the teams that Rodgers won't go to, you're not left with a massive pile of teams. But it was an interesting um, comment that definitely makes you go, wait, what? But who knows? Maybe it's just a, a common tactic. You know, you don't want to be, remember the... Uh, 
from the office, Michael Scott was looking at all the negotiating tactics, and one of them was uh, refuse to speak first or decline to speak first. You don't want you don't want to get into a negotiation seeming needy. Hey man, you got any you got any more quarterbacks over there? Please, please, we're desperate. You want the Packers to be the ones backed into a corner where they can't work out a deal, and they're trying to come to you, and you're like, mm, I don't know, man. We kind of got a good thing going on here. We got a plan all set up in place. I mean, we could talk about something, but you know, just, just send me an offer. And then they're like, hey, uh, three first round, two second round, and you just laugh at them and hang up the phone. Again, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but it's, it's, it's a slightly unusual thing that could make sense in a couple different ways, but either way, it's, it's strange. But again, we are back to, uh, to square one with this whole situation as far as I, I have no idea. You know, it, it seemed like it was pretty much a done deal, and it's just a matter of Rodgers just takes a couple of days off and then comes back and is like, all right, let's do this. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. My biggest fear, honestly, is that this is really going to get dragged on, not just for days, but weeks, possibly months. I know he said he wouldn't do that, but again, there's number one, there's an element of what did he say he wasn't going to do, right? He said he wouldn't drag this out. Well, last year he dragged it out basically all the way up to the season. If he's saying he's not going to do that, then we still could be talking about May. If he makes a decision in May, did he drag it out? In our minds, it would be yes. Maybe in his mind, it's no. And also, even if he has no intention of dragging it out, he still isn't going to make a decision until he knows what he's going to do. And if what he's decided is he wants to come back to Green Bay, but the Packers aren't offering him anything he's interested in, they're offering him something that he just thinks is is, is unreasonable, he's not just going to sign it because, well, I promised the fans I wouldn't drag it out. Sorry, but no, never. I'm going to sign this legally binding contract worth millions of dollars and years of my life because I made an offhand promise to the fans. No, sorry, he's never going to do that. So we'll see. What are the options? He, um, in the next few minutes, hours, days, weeks, or months, he's going to either decide to come back, uh, retire, or be traded. And if he comes back, it may be for um, either a lot or not quite as much, but sort of a lot or massive amounts of money for either a short or long period of time. Does that, does that kind of help? And help sort of clear stuff stuff up for you or <laughs> in the meantime however we've got a bunch of teams that are uh, gathered together over uh, at the combine so we're getting some sound bites and whatnot over there and while the packers are trying to lock down the uh reigning back-to-back mvp to run their team again the bears gm is talking about how his offensive linemen are too fat and uh we got to get less fat offensive lineman because that's 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 a major emphasis for him. <laughs> We're going to change it up a bit just uh, in terms of the style polls said on Tuesday. A lot of those guys and the message has been clear, we've got to change body types a little bit. We've got to get lighter, we've got to get quicker. It's such a weird thing to to be so oddly specific about stuff. It kind of reminds me of of a like if a GM were to say, you know, I really want like a short, fast guy, you know, rather than just looking at talent for what it is and just saying, this guy can do it, right? There's, there's a general ideal, but it's certainly not a requirement, right? Like, for example, the Packers for a long time were seen as a team that wouldn't take a corner under a certain height. And then they took Jair and everyone's like, oh, I thought that was a rule. It's like, not really. There's general guidelines, but at the end of the day, Jair is a freak and they said he is good enough to overcome that. So it's just weird for a GM that hasn't done anything yet to 
be like, so what, what are you working on, man? What are your goals? He's like, well, I think that uh, the offensive line's a little fat. Um, I just want like chiseled O-linemen. You know what I mean? Like, wait, what? That's oddly specific. I was thinking like general, like, you know, we need to get more physical. We need to get some weapons for our quarterback. We want to really be aggressive in our pass rush, you know, uh, cover. Just we're talking generalities. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but really, seriously, my first priority is uh, no more fat offensive linemen. It's kind of gross, and I'm tired of being around them. There's nothing worse than um, watching a football team when you have an offensive lineman and his gut is hanging out of his jersey. It disgusts me, honestly. Safe to say he would not have drafted Creed Humphrey last year, who was um, a rookie taken in the second round that I believe was maybe the best center in all of football at six foot five, 320 pounds. And again, it's an example of this is a guy that doesn't fit maybe your ideal body type, but he's a very good football player and um, shouldn't really matter because what should matter is we just want good football players, but he's got a type and I don't know how many other types he's got. I mean, you know, Gutekunst has a type, but again, you don't have to be super hard and fast with all that. You know, he likes really big wide receivers. But if you're not a really big wide receiver and I just think you're a freak, we'll go ahead and draft you. But I, I don't know. As soon as I heard that quote, I just thought, this is, this is a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, but come on, man. And again, I understand you want to be more athletic because it's, you know, you got Luke Getze there. He's going to be trying to emulate what the Packers are doing. So you want sort of an outside zone-y thing. So you got to have some athleticism. I get that. But he says, quote, especially for the big guys up front, lean body mass is a huge indicator for us. Not worried about the scale. I'm worried about how much muscle mass they have on. So that's part of the process, getting big, strong, dense human beings up there. Well, we've got a dense GM, so he should be able to find some dense offensive linemen. Safe to say Jason Peters won't be back, which, I mean, he's already 40, but, I mean, this is, uh, this is a rather large human being. Um, you know, I guess, I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess we'll see how it goes. It's poor fans, man. He also went on to say that uh, he tipped his hand that the way to help a quarterback who's struggling is to find a receiver that can bail him out, which again is another just hilarious quote to me. So they did a historical research, uh, you know, lookup or research project. Quarterbacks have struggled, bad first year, took a jump in the second year. What was the biggest thing? It was a wide receiver that can bail him out. It's funny to me that he's so honest about this, and it's great to have somebody that's such an open book, but it just makes for hilarious sound bites. So obviously they're going to, priority is going to be wide receiver. I don't know if they're even able to do it in free agency, but I have, to, I have a feeling that's the route they're going to go. They have so many needs. First of all, they don't have a first round pick. So the idea of them getting a first round wide receiver isn't going to happen. They may take a swing in the second round, but is that going to be a guy in his first year to bail out Justin Fields? Probably not. But just, just the phrasing of it. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to improve Justin Fields' play? Mm, maybe... Instead of improve his play, we just get a really good wide receiver that he can just sling it up to and he'll, you know, just go get him a Megatron. Then he doesn't have to be good. You know, so that, that's a thought. He was also asked to evaluate his roster and um, say something good that stood out when you evaluated the roster. His quote, the running back situation is good. <laughs> First of all, that's your quote. Like, it, it, remove the running back part. You could just said anything. It's just such a weird... To, you, you pick one position, you're like, mm, this is good. I mean, dude, these are softball questions. How are you going to help your quarterback in his rookie year? Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a better job of supporting him and getting him what he needs. And, and really, you know, I think, I think he did a great job last year. 
He just needs a little bit of help to, to become the great quarterback that we know he's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Right, the whole thing is focused on him, and he's he's not bad. He's really good. He's going to be great. Just wait and see. No, we're going to get him a wide receiver to help uh, cover up his trash blemishes. And then pick, pick a position. What stood out that was good on your roster? Oh, we've, we've got a lot of great things on this roster. Really excited about uh, the, the development and, and some of the changes we're going to be making. Really excited about Justin Fields, as I was just talking about. We've got some great pieces along the offensive line. The running back position is, is phenomenal. We've got some great pieces at wide receiver. We're excited about uh, what we can do with Cole Komet, who's a young guy who's going to be getting much better. We've got some phenomenal defensive pieces. We're going to have to shift some things around there, but we're excited about what we can do. No, what is his answer? Running back is good. <laughs> Thanks, dude. And, and you picked running back, of all the things. Like, I mean, you've, you've, you just drafted Justin Fields. He's on your team. I know he's not good, but, but lie. Justin Fields, you got, uh, what, Mooney? You just drafted Tevin Jenkins, and, and you've got an offensive line. I mean, again, the offensive line isn't good, but you got, you know, you got white hair and some other pieces there that you can pretend to like. You still have Akeem Hicks, and, and you know, he's probably gone, but, you, you know, you still have him. You got uh, Khalil Mack. You got a bunch of defensive guys, Roquan. Again, I think he's overrated, but Bears fans don't realize that. They think he's great. Just lie. You said running back is good. <laughs> Jeez. Ay, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Bears fans are going to eat this up and be like, he's so, he's great. He's the best GM. It's like, come on, man. This is so bad. Asked about his offensive line. He said it's going to be the best five that we roll out there. Mm, thank you. Again, where's the vote of confidence for the guys that we have? There is none. Eh, we're, we'll find five and the best five will play. Oh, wow. Wow. That's deep. Thank you. He was even asked specifically about Tevin Jenkins. And I understand he didn't draft any of these guys, so maybe he hates all of them. I don't know. Maybe he looks at Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins and just goes, oh, this is a mess. This is a disaster. But he was asked specifically about Tevin Jenkins. Bears fans are obsessed with Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields. They think these are the greatest draft picks in Bears history. Where's Tevin going to play? Mm, I don't know. He wouldn't commit to a space. He's like, I don't know. We'll see. Again, that's probably the right answer. But you got to inspire a little confidence. Like, we drafted him to be the future left tackle. He is our left tackle. We're super excited about him. You know, we'll, we'll, we can try him at other spots, and we'll see where the best, you know, for this, that, or the other is. But he's our guy. So, I don't know. Again, Bears fans are going to gush all over him. And it, it doesn't mean he's a bad GM. Maybe he's going to be an absolute freak when it comes to player evaluation and, and getting this team right and all that stuff. I'm just saying there's words, and then there's actually seeing it saying, we're going to do all these things right. And then he sits down and talks, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sorry, if I'm on your team, I don't think you just inspired me, which is what you claim you're going to do. So, I don't know. I, I just saw some of the sound bites coming out from Ryan Poles, and I'm like, oh my good lord. That's pretty bad, man. Anyways, I'm a little extra short on time today, so we're going to take a break here. We'll come back, and we'll look at a couple other things. But um, don't forget, we got the two GoFundMes. One of them you can find on uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter. One of them you can find pinned to the top of the Facebook page. Also, please do not forget about amodernfrontier.com. You can get yourself a one-eighth beef, beef box or a one-quarter pork box. Use promo code uh, MEATPACKER, one word, all caps. You get $25 off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So as you may may have noticed, we had our afternoon show yesterday. We're going to be switching things up. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we have two shows now, and they're going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, rather than the one show on Saturday. So I'm still working on trying to fill out a few other days, um, but trying to find the right people also. So we will see how that all goes. But as of right now, we have uh, two weekly shows, and I'm excited to get these kind of rolling out and provide a little bit of extra content for everybody. So stay tuned for tonight. There's always pending some changes or complications, but the uh, expectation, I believe, is that there's going to be another afternoon show today. Anyways, I got a Bears fan question. He's been bugging me every single day to answer his question. He's very, um, he's very pushy, but I figure since I was making fun of his GM, I better answer his question today. Several things. He's, he's really concerned about our tight ends. He says, here's a podcast question. Who do you want back? Pick one, Tunyon or MVS? He says, Packies might need to draft a tight end anyways, irregardless, I'm thinking, how often does Lazard line up at tight end? So first of all, I feel like irregardless is bait. He wants me to say that that's not a word, so he can come back and say, yes, it is a word. I know it's a word. Nice try. Um, who do I want back, Tanya or MVS? I, man, and I know you asked this a couple days ago. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think they're both similar to me. I think they play in a, they both play an important role, but I don't think either of them are are, are elite in that role. Um, and so, on one hand, you're kind of saying which one is more important, and you're trying to also gauge how good they are in that role. So, so is is your deep threat MVS more important than your you know seam stretching tight end? I think I'm leaning Tunyon. I, I know I haven't been the biggest Tunyon fan, but it's mostly just because I think he's overrated by Packer fans. Not that I think he's bad, but if you really look at Tunyon, there's a couple things that I think are important. Number one, he's got incredible hands. Number two, he has massive trust from Aaron Rodgers, and there does seem to be a really good connection, whereas with MVS, they really don't have a good connection. It has gotten a little bit better over time, but they still have not really been able to get into a a very good rhythm. I think they're both kind of off and on. You know, they'll have big games and then disappear for a very long time. And I think the other thing that's really underrated is um, Tunyon's speed. 
when I did my comps, uh, I did a thing on Twitter, and I think I talked about it on the podcast or whatever, and I looked for players that can fit that role. I, I really think it's easier to find an MVS, especially if we're just talking speed, not necessarily that height, because it's hard to find that height and speed combination. But when you're talking about wide receivers that move as fast as MVS, you can find them. When you're talking about tight ends that move as fast as Tunyon, you have a hard time finding them. They exist, but it's hard to find. And then and then when you find them, it's not just a matter of fast. It's a matter of, are you fast, but can you also play football? And he's proven that he can. Again, I don't think he's elite necessarily. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not uh, George Kittle. But if we're talking about who's easier to replace, I mean, the Packers have had historically really good um, I don't want to say luck, but they've been very good at finding wide receivers that can contribute. And MVS is an example of that. But, you know, they, they haven't taken a really high swing at a wide receiver in a long time. And when they do, they're generally quite good at it. So I feel like if we try to find a replacement for MVS, we'll have success or, or a, a better chance of finding success than if we try to replace Tunyon. Or, you know, another way to put it is if you're trying to find a really, really, really good speed threat at wide receiver, or a really, really, really good tight end. I just don't think there are a lot of really good tight ends. There's just more good wide receivers than there are really good tight ends. I mean, the, the good tight ends are the guys that have been the good tight ends for four or five years now. Who's been? Who's the, the most recent really big breakout tight end? I mean, I, I guess Kyle Pitts, but you're talking about one of the freakiest tight ends to come out in several generations. But I mean, you know, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, they've been around a while. Maybe Dallas Goddard? But, I mean, well, Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard were 2018. So 2019, 2020, 2021, we haven't really had anybody, aside from, again, Kyle Pitts, but that's a, a freakish football player. Um, I mean, Max Williams was 2015. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but I guess it was. Kittle was 2017. Um, obviously, Gronk is a billion years old. Travis Kelsey was 2013. It always blows my mind when I see how old that guy is. It's just, it's just hard to find tight ends, even when there's like a, a lot of hype. I mean, maybe you could say TJ Hawkinson, but he didn't have the greatest year. He had a 68 overall grade, kind of got overshadowed. I think this new regime came in and just didn't quite use him as well as maybe he did before. But I mean, even if you look at him, 2019, and I know he was injured, but he had a 60 overall grade. 2020 was his big breakout, 75, and then he reverted back to 68 overall. Um, certainly not the most dominant player in the history of the world, but I mean, he was 2019, I guess. But you look at the entire 2020 class, there's nobody, you know? I mean, there were big names, but uh, Albert Okwegbanam didn't do jack squat. Cole Komet was not good at all. Um, Josiah hasn't done anything at all. There's just, there's not anybody really. You know, 2021, again, Pat Fryer, Fryermuth, maybe you could add to the list if you wanted to. But uh, aside from Kyle Pitts, nothing. 2019? Um, I mean, you got TJ Hawkinson, but he's been a, again, we just talked about him. He hasn't really done much aside from the one year. Noah Fant has been a massive disappointment. The Bears, Jesper Horstead is the only guy that's graded out well, but he's had three targets, two receptions, 21 yards, and two touchdowns. Bears fans are obsessed with him because he has two receptions for two touchdowns. But I mean, that I can't really do anything with that information. So again, I'm if if I have to replace one and keep one, I'm probably replacing MVS and keeping Tunyon, and that has nothing to do with the the contract situation at all. I'm not even looking at that. It's just a matter of I just feel like MVS would be easier to replace, and I also feel like, again, Tunyon just, whatever he is, it it just is what it is. You know, with MVS, it's like he has this talent, but we just can't tap into it. 
We can't make it work. We can't find a way to make this work consistently. With Tunyon, it's not top-tier talent, but it works. It just is what it is, and this is what you get, and it's you, you, just, you get that. And again, he does have that elite speed for a tight end. He does have a lot of really good things going for him. He's got the hands, he's got the connection, he's got the speed, all of it's right there. So that would probably be my preference. Again, I'm not even looking at contracts or anything, just 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 for what it is. Um, and how often does Lazard line up at tight end? I mean, I can give you a an exact answer from the past. So in 2021, he lined up out wide 419 times. He was in the slot 291 times. He lined up in line 56 times. So about 7% of the time he lines up in line. Anyways, we're behind quite a bit with uh, the draft coverage. So I'm going to pick four mocks that were done, and we'll look at who uh, some of these guys have taken. Some of the bigger outfits and, and bigger releases that have come out, or at least, you know, very recently. But uh, Steve Palazzolo over at PFF released his 2020 NFL mock draft. And I don't remember who we've talked about in the past, so I, I can't exactly remember if we've already talked about some of these guys. But at pick 28, he has the Green Bay Packers taking edge rusher Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. He says, this is a forward-thinking move for the Packers who have a good group of edge rushers that are not locked up beyond 2022. Johnson is a power edge who broke out in 2021 and carried that success into one of the most impressive practice weeks at the Senior Bowl. Here is what the PFF had to say about Jermaine Johnson at the Senior Bowl, and I will, uh, I'm going to retweet this just so you can find it. Um, so if, I can't show you because it's a podcast, but if you go to my Twitter, you'll, you'll see that I retweeted this. But here's what he had to say. He says, it's, not, uh, it's hard not to win the week when you win, well, every rep. Now, there were a few reps where he didn't get the best of his opponent, but he won the overwhelming majority. He plays with such easy power, and his technique is akin to, the se- to a seasoned veteran. He has to be in first-round mocks now. So from what I've seen, Jermaine Johnson has been right around 27-ish as far as the consensus board, so he's uh, back of the first. However, he may start, because of you know things like this, he may end up getting launched up the boards and may go a little bit earlier, but um, it does make sense. I mean, we all know edge rusher is is a position that makes a ton of sense. Um, it is a very important position, so the Packers would want to take it as a first-round uh, prospect. We know that the Packers think very highly of the position. We also know that, as they said, some of these guys are not going to uh, be there very much longer. It's kind of Rashawn Gary and then, mm, I don't know. He seems to fit the profile of what the Packers like, and he seems to be in the range of where the Packers want to pick. So I would say this makes a massive amount of sense based on where the boards are. However, you also have to take into account that usually the Packers take somebody that's kind of a mid-second round talent according to the boards. So they probably have their eye on somebody else, but it makes a ton of sense to me. So again, if you want to see this video of him just dominating at the Senior Bowl, just go to my Twitter. You'll see that I retweeted it. It's from real Corey Ke- uh, Keenan, Kinnan. Corey, and then he's got the check mark or whatever, but it's a, it's a little bit of a highlight from him. As far as a little bit of a breakdown on him, Jermaine Johnson, uh, six foot five, 262 pounds, had an 81.1 overall grade. That was kind of his breakout, as I said. He was actually in Georgia for two years. His grades were 72, 70, and 81. Um, the biggest jump, I mean, he's always been a really good run defender. Again, 6'5", 262, he kind of has that build. The biggest jump was his pass rush. Um, his run defense grades, 82, 77, 79. So he's right in that 80 range. His tackling grade has been phenomenal for three years. His pass rush though, the first two years at Georgia, 63 and 66, um, he had 18 pressures and two sacks. So obviously he's a kind of a lower end rotational guy in Georgia, but 18 pressures on 138 attempts. So he's over the uh, 10% mark, but two sacks. 
11 pressures on 94 attempts, again, just above 10% with four sacks. But then this year at Florida State, he gets a 76 overall grade. Now, the the stats didn't improve all that much, aside from his uh, sacks took a massive leap. I mean, his these, these sack numbers are, are stupid and massively inflated, but 46 pressures on 415 attempts, but 14 sacks. Now, it's not a bad thing, right? I, I don't want to pretend like the getting a high pressure to sack ratio is completely just a fraudulent, fake, stupid thing that doesn't matter. Sacks are incredibly important. They're more important than just general pressure. I mean, it, it is a pressure, but it's more important than uh, just hurries or hits or whatever. And, you know, I think there are certain guys that have a um, do a better job of converting pressures to sacks. And it seems like Rashawn does not do a great job at that. Guys like Miles Garrett do a phenomenal job at that. If they beat their guy, they're probably going to get the quarterback down. It has could do with closing speed, whatever. So maybe he just is better at it, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world when you have a guy like Rashawn who maybe isn't the best at it, but just dominates in terms of pressures. But again, he he fits the profile. Um, decent pass rush grade, good run defender. He's progressing, fits the prototype, seems to be in range. Makes a ton of sense to me. And we have a mock draft done by Pro Football Network. This is Cam Meller. He has the Packers at pick 28, taking Lewis Seen safety out of Georgia. So again, anytime you get a Georgia guy, I mean, Georgia is just such an unbelievably freakishly dominant um, program for defense anyways um, right now that they all just have this mentality, right? And we, we took our guy last year from Georgia. They just have this big game hunter, violent, vicious, mean mentality at Georgia. So anytime you see that, you get a little bit excited. But here's what he had to say. The Green Bay Packers certainly need a playmaker or two on offense, but they also need an injection of versatility and an upgrade to their middle of their defense. Lewis Lewis Seen is a playmaker on defense and brings power with every hit. So if you go look at his highlights, it's a lot of that. He's just coming up and smoking people, which is fantastic to see. I mean, again, if you want to inject violence into your defense, number one, Georgia. Number two, a violent safety is always fun. He's great in coverage, allowing the Packers to deploy him from a variety of alignments. Seen as also a valuable run defender patrolling the field sideline to sideline like a linebacker. So another pick that makes sense, obviously, whether we keep Amos or trade Amos or release Amos or whatever we do with Adrian Amos, we know he's probably not going to be around for a ton of time. And the way the Packers generally do things is they don't just uh, look at this year, although, you know, obviously we're in uncharted territory where the Packers are kind of all in or whatever. So they maybe don't want to get a guy that's not going to play right away. I don't know, but generally speaking, this pick makes a ton of sense. But uh, Lewis seen six foot one, two hundred pounds, very very similar in terms of his uh, uh, what we saw with the with Jermaine Johnson. Three years, his first two years weren't as good. Now he's he's always been better. He wasn't in the sixties. It was seventy three, seventy two. He's been at Georgia all three years, but then he just had his big jump in year three. 73, 72, then 82.4. And again, he's always been dominant in run defense, 78, 81, 83. His tackling is unbelievable, 82, 90, and 85. The biggest thing is his number one thing that you care about, which is coverage, and that's where he had his big jump, 70, 70, 81.4. In terms of statistics this past year, 38 receptions on 60 targets, which is 63.3%. He gave up 397 yards. Um, he gave up one touchdown, had one pick, and seven pass breakups for a passer rating of 81.0. Um, in terms of his alignment, 155 times he lines up in the box, 534 times he lines up as a free safety, 118 times in the slot, 11 times he lined up at corner. So again, he's got that uh, high versatility, which most safeties do 
but um, it's important to be able to see that he can go from spot to spot to spot. Next up, we got Ryan Wilson over at CBS. Ryan Wilson at pick 28 has the Green Bay Packers taking Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Um, Jamison is a guy I've had a hard time kind of coming around to. Um, I'll, I'll go back and watch him a little bit more. I tried to get excited about Jamison Williams at Alabama, and I just couldn't really do it. But uh, he goes on to say, if not for an ACL suffered in the national title game, Williams could be long gone. This could be a nice present for Aaron Rodgers, assuming he returns in 22, and for a quarterback in waiting, Jordan Love. So Jamison Williams was much higher on the boards and has fallen. And presumably that's because of an ACL, but it may not be. It may just be because teams are souring on him a little bit. I don't know. I think I talked about him kind of recently, but uh, as of right now, and we'll see, he's going to be, well, I don't know if he's running. A lot of guys aren't going to be running, but if he runs, he's expected to be in the four four six range. We'll see if he can kind of surpass that. I don't really know. Again, he does have an ACL injury, um, so I'm assuming he's not going to run, but he is at the combine. I know teams are going to be meeting with him, and uh, obviously the most important thing is going to be his medicals, uh, seeing how he's holding up and everything else, but that is his expected kind of speed. He is also another breakout player, very similar to the other two. Uh, Two years at Ohio State, he had a 59 and a 55 overall grade, goes to Alabama, has an 81.6 overall grade. I think that may be cause for some concern. A lot of wide receivers at Alabama do really, really well. And so you wonder, maybe outside of that environment, is he going to be all that great? I don't know. But six foot two, 189 pounds, 1,561 yards and 15 touchdowns. His Yards per reception, 20 yards per reception. So obviously he is a deep threat. So, you know, I, you, you could say he's an MVS replacement. I don't know. I think that depends what his speed. I, I, now, actually, you know what? We did talk about him recently because I remember somebody was saying this dude can can run with blazing speed. I mean, he is like 4-3 range. So I don't know where this 4-4-6 four, four, comes from. And again, we're not going to be able to really see it. So we're, they're going to have to rely on, on their film study and everything else. Um to be able to see that. But that may be what we're talking about here. If you're talking about an MVS replacement, again, he's not as tall, but he's still six foot two. And if he has that four, three speed, he can get the job done. So I don't know. I'm not super um, high on him. I got to go back and watch again because I have not put a lot of time into really much of anybody. But I know I did a cursory look at Jamison Williams and I just wasn't massively overly impressed. And then finally, we get Bucky Brooks over at NFL.com. Bucky with the 28th pick has the Green Bay Packers selecting Devontae Wyatt, Georgia defensive tackle. He doesn't really put a lot of uh, energy into his mock drafts. He has one sentence here. He says, the Packers could opt for an energetic interior defender to boost the defense. So there you go. Thank you, Bucky. (laughs) But it does make sense. Again, it's another position we know that they'd be willing to take. They took a guy like Kenny. They've always taken defensive linemen um, or, or historically have had no problem taking defensive linemen in the first round. It's a premium position that may not be as important as edge, but I think they still classify it as um, round one worthy. You know, pass rush is always important and helping Kenny is going to be important. And, and you're helping the edge rushers too. And you're helping the linebackers. I mean, what, what they do is incredibly important work. But uh, big boy, six foot three, 315 pounds. I know Jordan Davis is the guy that everybody's gushing over. Um, Sam and, and Coach Hahn were talking about Jordan Davis a lot. Um, as far as PFF is concerned, as far as the stats are concerned and all that stuff, Devontae Wyatt really stands out. Um, four years at Georgia, he's always been good, but had his year four breakout, 76, 77, 73, and then 90 this year, 89.8. Run defense, 78, 75, 72, went up to an 82. His pass rush, 65, 74, 66, 84, and even his coverage was a 73. So he just kind of dominated across the board. 
Um, 26 pressures on 263 attempts puts you right at 10% and only four sacks. I think those numbers are going to scare a lot of people off. But again, the grades were really, really high. So according to what they're watching, they thought he did a, a really good job. Maybe, you know, double teams. Who knows what the situation is? Plus, it's possible to beat your guy and not get to the quarterback. But um, just across the board, um, and, and a guy that you're going to get at a better value, because again, Jordan Davis is the guy that everybody's really hyped up about. So he's going to end up going sooner, but you can get his potential counterpart um, probably at the back of the first round. We'll have to see. There's going to be a lot of shifting up and down and back and forth and all that kind of stuff. But um, as of right now, Devontae White is another guy that's kind of in the Packers range and is obviously another option. And, you know, again, it's it's not a bad spot to be in. We, we have a good roster kind of across the board, but we also can really use upgrades at just about any position. You know, you, you like the offensive line. You like the team with Devontae, assuming he's staying. You obviously like Rodgers, assuming he's staying. You like the running backs. You like the defensive line with Kenny. You like the edge rushers with Rashawn and whoever else is staying there. You like the linebacker, assuming Devondrick. So, it's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions, but it's also, we have a good team, but there's also every single position for the most part, not running back maybe, but, you know, could you use a wide receiver? Absolutely. Offensive line? Definitely. Tight end? Yeah, let's do it. Defensive tackle? Yes. Edge rusher? Yes. Linebacker? Yes. Corner? Eh, maybe. Couldn't hurt. Safety? Yeah. So it, 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 it's kind of cool because, and I'm sure I'm going to get locked into some prospects, and I'm sure no matter who they pick, it's going to be somebody I'm disappointed with, which is why my goal this year is to go through the first 100 prospects and really try to fall in love with all of them. I know that's not what you're, you're supposed to go in and like analyze, but I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not really a scout. Not, not, not at all a scout, but point is, I, I, I can't do it. So it would almost be better served in my position, because what I'm going to do anyways, I'm going to find out who the Packers pick. It's going to be somebody that I previously said I didn't like. I'm going to go in, I'm going to watch him much closer, and I'm going to find reasons to like him. So why don't I just do that to begin with? And that's what, that's what they tell you to do anyways, when you're, you know, don't tell me what he can't do, tell me what he can do. Just find the things that are really, really good. Find the reason why it would be a good fit. Find out what they can do really well, and I'm not saying ignore the negatives, acknowledge the negatives, but understand that these are really good football players. They're going to go early for a reason. Find out what that reason is. Again, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Jamison Williams. You know, he, he didn't blow my mind, but you look at the upside, you look at the prospect, and, and, they, and then there's always the other aspect of the Packers took them, so they believe that those positives, they, that's going to translate. I mean, if you take a guy like that in the first round, they see that upside and they say, oh, he's going he's gonna to give you all that. Because I look at it and go, eh, I don't know. What if he can't, though? What if it's like MVS, whereas he's fast, but it doesn't really materialize? The Packers are going, oh, no, this guy, it'll materialize. So I think that might be my goal a little bit more this year. Not that I won't have my opinions and, and have my preferences and all that, but really try to focus on, find out what the positives of these guys are, really try to see why it would be a good fit, and, and to focus more heavily on the positives so that when the Packers make picks, I automatically, not, not because I just want to be biased and like all the picks, again, I'll acknowledge what the negatives are, but to at least be able to start from the point of saying, okay, that pick makes sense for this reason. Here are the negatives, but here's why that's, that's a, a wise decision. Because again, I'm going to do that anyways. The alternative is pick four guys that I'm obsessed with. And when the Packers don't pick one of those four guys, I throw an absolute hissy fit and then complain for three years about the fact that they shouldn't have taken this guy. That's not a good plan. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a wonderful day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.